Well, good morning, everyone. Before we jump into God's Word, I want to remind us of our Christmas Eve services. We have our Christmas Eve VKids family service at 4 p.m. and our 7 p.m. candlelight communion service, both online on December the 24th. So please join us for those services. Now, let me pray before I begin. Well, God, I thank you that at the heart of the Christmas story, we can discover what joy truly is, irrespective of the circumstances we find ourselves in. I pray for each one of us to know this joy, to be filled with this joy, and to be overwhelmed with your love and presence this Christmas. Pray this in your name. Amen. So how would you respond if you discovered something was about to happen that was going to change your circumstances physically, socially, and financially? That the circumstances outside of your control were about to completely turn your life upside down and you were never to be the same again. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, Ash, hello, 2020. Well, at the heart of the Christmas story, in the midst of upheaval, uncertainty, challenge, and changing circumstances, we're given a picture of pure joy. And through this song, we can discover the source of true joy and how we can experience it, irrespective of the circumstances we're facing. So let's read together this incredible story from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And then we go down to verses 46 to 55, where Mary responds in this incredible song of joy. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. <clears throat> Mary's response comes as a humble surrender of faith to the plans and purposes of God that threaten her circumstances, yet out of her heart comes a song of joy. A song that's now called the Magnificat, that's sung across all traditions of church multiple times a year, particularly at Christmas. And it comes from a poor unknown girl, from an unknown region of the world. Commentators tell us she could have been as young as 12. She's told she'll bear a child without being married and in a culture that treated women like property, that's risking a death sentence, ridicule and severe persecution. But rather than focusing on the threatening circumstances and being filled with fear and anxiety, Mary looks to God and thanks him and is filled with overflowing joy. This is what John Piper calls the dawning of an indestructible joy. And as the Gospel of Luke unfolds and begins, it's pregnant with prophetic anticipation and angelic visitations with the angel Gabriel announcing God's plans and purposes to Zechariah, Elizabeth and Mary. And as the story continues to unfold, God's plans are revealed and each character gets caught up in an irrepressible, contagious joy and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet again, God's going to do a miracle of creation by working out his plans to redeem the world. Yet again, God's gonna bring life out of barrenness, creation out of nothing, and he's gonna use a young unknown girl to do it. Mary's song is an infectious, spontaneous joy that breaks through the reality of difficult circumstances, revealing that true joy is not dependent on what we have or what we do or what we control. It's not found in the acquisition of stuff. It's not something we muster up in our own strength through our emotions. We don't earn it through performance or being good enough. We don't get it from likes, followers, or becoming TikTok famous. We don't get it by becoming successful, wealthy, or powerful. A few years ago, I posted the question on Facebook, what brings you true joy? And this is what some people answered. A ripe brie, a bottle of something red shared with friends. Not bad. Playing games listening to oldies but goodies, gourmet food and wine,
sports, sailing and surfing. Someone else responded, clubbing the night away until the early hours of the dawn. That's more like it. Spending money, giving gifts, a good sunset, Arsenal winning the Champions League and a never-ending glass of beer. And one of my favourites, finding the other sock. <laughs> In 1973, the Italian film director Marco Ferreri made a film that's become a sort of cult classic in Europe called Le Grand Bouffe. That's as good as my French gets. In which four successful middle-aged men, a pilot, a television executive, and a judge go to a luxury villa and eat themselves to death. They invite three prostitutes to join them and they eat and they eat and they eat. They sometimes indulge in sexual pleasures. They go out in fast cars and drive them round the mansion. They watch movies, but most of all they eat. They even challenge each other to an eating competition until they're sick and then they start again. One of the reviewers explains the film like this. Every key aspect of Western hedonistic consumption is present and the judge and TV producer and the prostitutes are examples of the most powerful forces in our culture. We can be better, what can better protest against hedonism than to kill oneself in the most hedonistic way? With food, luxury and sex, you smell it, you taste it, you feel it in your stomach. It nauseates you, but it also enchants you and you want more. I wonder if that sounds familiar to any of us living in LA in 2020. But as Christians, we know, don't we, that our source of joy is not found in the opiates of the false joy that our culture produces, but in the life and power that finds its source in Christ, who fills us with his Holy Spirit. John Piper goes on to put it like this. The joy that Jesus came to bring is from outside this world. It's the very joy that Jesus himself has in God the Father which he has had from all eternity and will have forever. Our God is the true joy giver. And Mary shows us that it's received with humble surrender to his plans and purposes, no matter what the circumstances look like. It's Mary's humble surrender to God's plan that releases her joy. The Christmas narrative stresses that God completes his promises as every promise that's made comes to pass exactly as they're spoken. God's plans and purposes for his creation are being worked out, but he'll do it in his time and in his way. And oh, I know that can be so frustrating. This is what we need to be right, reminded by this year, again and again and again, in the midst of all that's going on in the world around us this Christmas. Because the reality is that each one of us comes face to face with joy killers every day in our city and in what's going on in the world. I wanna suggest there are five joy killers we might be tempted by. First, 
we can get so easily tempted by looking for joy in the wrong places. I never do this. We live in a city that constantly bombards us with the temptation to fulfill ourselves on false joys. We may not eat ourselves to death like the men in the movie, but we're surrounded by a culture that is forever wooing us to believe that joy is found in consuming more. And before we know it, we can so easily end up getting caught up in the constant pursuit of feeding ourselves more stuff to find joy. Joy killer two. We can listen to the wrong voices rather than the voice of God. It's so easy to get distracted by the louder voices around us or even inside us. It can be the voices of social media, it can be the news headlines, even the effect I'd want to suggest, which I know has affected me, the effect of the constant statistics about the pandemic and the virus and all that's happening around us can become louder and louder and louder. We can be driven by inner voices, negative words spoken over us from our past. And what Mary teaches us is the need to recognize and prioritize listening to God's voice above all others. Thirdly, we can allow negative circumstances to become bigger and louder than our vision of God and his promises. When we do this, we can end up being completely compulsively driven by doubts, fears, and anxieties. You see, Mary didn't allow the possible negative outcomes of her circumstances to force her to determine her reality. She didn't write a psalm of lament based on what a disaster her life was going to be as, as, a, as a girl pregnant in her context. She trusted God would stay true to his promises and she treasured them in her heart. Fourth, we can blame God for the negative things that happen to us in life and get angry, bitter and fall into self-pity. When I read this sermon to my wife, she replied, you don't know anything about that, do you, Ash? <laughs> mm, I didn't laugh. You see, when we're filled with anger, bitterness and self-pity, our hearts can become cold and critical and it can kill our joy and cut us off from intimacy with God. And I've experienced that over and over again. Lastly, we can forget to be grateful to God. There is power in praising and giving thanks to God. It's why we're told to do it over and over and over again in his word. And the first thing we see Mary do is give thanks. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my God, my saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary, as a young girl, had clearly learnt to make a habit of giving thanks to God and trusting in his promises. And like a muscle memory, this is exactly what she does. Mary's song reminds us that God has overcome the world and its darkness and he's wooing us to discover that true and lasting joy can only be found in him. 
but it's a joy we have to fight for. And every time we're tempted to give in, Mary reminds us that our God is faithful and will accomplish what he promises. And the reason we can have joy in this season and in the difficulty of the circumstances we find ourselves faith with is that they do not have the final say on reality. Some of us right now may need to recognise that we've gone after false joys of the world Perhaps because of all that's happened this year, we've allowed the circumstances to slowly but surely kill our joy. So I want to suggest a pathway to recover our joy in the Lord. Confess, remember, give thanks and worship. Confess, remember, give thanks and worship. We confess what we've done or what we've allowed to get in the way between us and God. We remember and remind our own story and history with him, all that we've seen him do and say. Then we give thanks. We begin to thank him for all he's done, for his character, for his promises, for his love, for all that he's done in our lives. And then we push back against the darkness and worship him. Now, I have a confession to make. A couple of weeks ago, I began to meditate on this song in preparation for this message. I found myself sort of sitting in front of a mirror that was reflecting back just how, uh, just how convicted I was of my absence of joy. I was recovering from COVID. I think I was having a bit of a pity party. And I also think the accumulative effect of all that had gone on this year had kind of slowly built up over time without me realizing. And I just felt uh, a little lost. And certainly I felt like the pilot light of my joy had gone out. So I began to read the story of Mary who faced such daunting circumstances, yet sung with joy, and I was convicted. So I put down my sermon prep, and I opened to Psalm 51, which is a place I always go to that leads me through a process of confession. And I just began to speak out the stuff that had got between God and I, how I was feeling, my self-pity, my anger, my frustrations, what I'd been through, how I'd reacted wrongly, and how I'd blamed God for some of this. Then I went back through my journals to read God's promises. That's why it's so important to journal scriptures that had given me prophetic words. I reminded myself of the times and places I had encountered God's presence. Then I got up to worship and I went back to some of the old school songs that I used to worship to in my early Christian life. I'm talking the early 90s. Yes, that's right, I am that old. And I stood up and I worshiped. And by the start of song five, it was then I felt my heart crack open and the warmth and love and joy and relief of God's presence fill me. God's invitation to us is to come back to him 
as our true source of joy this Christmas, no matter what circumstances we're facing. Let me pray for us. God, I do just pray for us as a church and for us in our journey with you, where there is anyone who has found the journey of this year so hard that they've lost their way from you, they've lost their joy in you. I pray, Lord, that as they meditate, as they pray, as they look at this story, that they would discover the joy that can be found in coming back to you, in, in opening our hearts to you and inviting you to fill us afresh with your presence. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.